0: Hey there. I'm Stephanie, the musician, writer, blogger, and your inspirationalist. Welcome to my podcast on today. I have a good one. I have a good one. Her name is Naisha George, who is a labor and delivery nurse. She will be joining me on today. She'll be discussing about the pandemic, how it has affected her home, as well as her job uh she'll give us insight on what happens behind those hospital doors um as they deal with this serious pandemic that's going on today. Welcome to the show Naisha happy to have you on my show and uh i've done a brief i've given a brief little summary about what you kind of what you do uh mm-hmm. you are offer- first uh, labor and delivery, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, labor and delivery. And you are a I wanna say this advocate traveler. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: But I, I have uh taken up a, a love for traveling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um I, I'm gonna dive right into my questions that I have for you on today. Uh I'm gonna start with the question. It's on you're a single mother and you are a nurse. I wanna know what influenced you to become a nurse?
1: Uh, Well, at first, when um, I was younger, I actually wanted to be a doctor. Um, I wanted to be a doctor because my um, father was murdered when I was nine years old. And so um, he was shot through the aorta. And so I wanted to be a cardiologist. That was where my first desire had came to be in the medical field. Um, But um, when I was 19, I had got pregnant with my first child, and so I'm like, okay, I need to pick a career very quickly. So I went to one of those um, trade schools just to become a medical assistant, just to kind of get my foot in the medical door because I knew I wanted to work in healthcare. And so um, I did become a medical assistant, and I was a medical assistant for about seven years, and I just got really tired of the monotonous of you know, people coming in, you do their weight, their blood pressure, temperature, giving medications. I just wanted more. I just got bored with it. And at the time I was getting really bored with being a medical assistant, that's when this flyer was kind of circling around in the department about being a registered nurse and how um, the foundation or the company that I was working for was going to – help with the tuition and on, on going to back to school to be there. So I was like, hey, why don't I go ahead and do that? And it's quite interesting because, you know, by that time that I decided to be a nurse, I already had two children, my oldest son and then my, my middle child. And, you know, when you have a baby, you're in the hospital, and that was the only time I've ever been in the hospital was having kids. And I still didn't, for the life of me, know who those people were that were taking care of me. I had no idea what a nurse was until... You know, (laughs) I started going to school and and kind of researching what it was. I'm like, oh, yeah, those are those people that took really good care of me when, you know, I had a baby. So (laughs) that's what kind of inspired me um, to be a nurse is always having that desire to want to take care of people and and to help people. And, you know, when I just kind of got bored and I wanted to do something, like I feel like my purpose just wasn't fulfilled being a medical assistant. I wanted to take it up another notch and that's when just God opened up the doors for me to go and I just came running in those doors and haven't looked back since.
0: Yeah, I can I can actually see you being becoming a doctor in the future because uh, of the tenacity that you have on the inside of you. <laughs> 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 uh, so my next question is it seems that hospital staff we're gonna talk a little bit about the pandemic, what's going on now in mm-hmm. in our world. It's a, it's a worldwide situation. Um, But it seems that hospital staff across the U.S. was confused when it, uh, you know, about when it onset, when the onset hit when it first started uh, Mm -hmm. spreading. Uh, Were you and your staff prepared for this
1: pandemic? No. I don't, to be honest, I don't think the world was prepared for what is going on right now, let alone my hospital or our staff, you know, a lot of missed informed information or the lack of information the lack of knowledge that we didn't have when it first came out um no we were definitely not prepared for um what has taken place i don't think i don't think too many places or too many hospitals or countries were prepared for this
0: no i i don't I don't think so either. But doing your studies as a nurse, did you study about flus and viruses and things like that?
1: We did, yeah. Um, in nursing school, you know, we did study um, pandemics, you know, the bubonic plague and, and smallpox and um, all those other things. And, you know, when you study them, you just never think that this is this is. Gun this is not going to happen to us at this day and age. You know, these are things that we have vaccines for now. And, you know, growing up, I've never seen any, you know, pandemics. It's just stuff that you just read about, you know, in, high, in, in history mm-hmm. and in nursing school. So, you know, I would have never thought that we would go through a pandemic. But, yeah, this is stuff that, you know, you learn about, but you just never think that it's going to happen again.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're so oblivious. And I mean, you think that all oh, this stuff has happened back in the 1700s when they didn't have, you know, really good health care I and mean, didn't have really good medicine. And with the technology that we have now, you know, you just never think that this situation would ever happen because, you know, we are so advanced in technology that you just never thought, I, I would have never thought in my 12 years of nursing that um, we would have this, that the, the world would be where it's at right now.
0: Yeah, I think that I, just from observing on the media I see that it's it's really has a panic even in our our, our health care system here well, all mm-hmm. over the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next question is that this uh coronavirus has uh healthcare um workers on edge as they come in close proximity with infected patients daily. Um how is your work environment uh, how are they handling stress and anxiety? I know it's probably really, really strong in the, you know, working with, and, you know, everybody's on edge, just from my observation, what I've seen on TV. So how how are you guys handling that?
1: It? It's very scary. It is very, very scary um, to be a nurse right now and in, in, uh, through this pandemic. It's because um, the lack of knowledge, like, You know the lack of what we didn't know about Mm -hmm. this disease, um, how to properly um, protect ourselves while taking care of patients who may or may not have this this disease or this virus. Excuse me. um, How to screen for it? Who to screen? It was just it it was just a mess. So that anxiety of coming to work, um, not knowing what to do or how to do things, um, the lack of information, the things that we didn't know. Uh, one minute it's an airborne precaution. Next mm-hmm. minute it's droplet precaution. Then the next minute went back to airborne. Then it went back to droplets. And how to, um, what to wear as far as uh, PPE, when to use it, when not to use it. I mean, it's still, it still changes. Wow. So that creates the anxiety of, you know, um, how do we care for it? if we don't if we don't have the knowledge of how to care for someone with this virus or how to protect ourselves, then that lack of knowledge already creates anxiety. Um, before you even take care of that patient, you know, if I do have a patient that comes in, I want to be prepared. I want to know how to protect myself and still give. Uh, awesome care, and so when you don't have the knowledge in the house um and the winds and all those questions answered, it just it creates a lot of anxiety, it creates fear, you know a lack of knowledge definitely creates a lot of fear um during this stage,
0: yeah, the unknown you know and you and you actually work in labor and delivery, as I said mm-hmm. earlier um mm-hmm. so your concern is basically double you're concerned about the mother and the newborn and um. Uh, yes and all that stuff. Have you actually uh, came in contact with an infected patient?
1: So far, we have not had any positive COVID patients. However, Mm. we do have or have had quite a few PUIs, which are um, patients under investigation. Mm. Um, So we would treat them as if they were COVID positive until their swab actually came back negative. Um, So we have had quite a few of those um, in our department, which, you know, brings in a lot of fear and anxiety because, you know, we are treating them as if they are COVID positive until further notice. So we have to, you know, um, put on all this gear and take care of them. And then when they have a baby, you know, we kind of have, we have to recommend them to be the baby and the mother to be separated, which is creates a whole different Cascade of events to have to separate a mom from her baby.
0: Do, do you guys test the babies automatically when they come out?
1: We don't test the ba- the um, babies automatically when they come out. Uh, what we would do is test the mom mm-hmm. and um, see what her results come back. Um, the
0: reason why I ask that question is because there are some people they say that are carriers and
1: mm-hmm. those that
0: get it. That's why I ask if you. Uh So yeah,
1: that's the thing about the pregnant population is that we have discovered through um, research that most pregnant women um, Mm -hmm. are carriers and do not are, and and are asymptomatic means that they do not have the symptoms, but they can um, transmit that virus to other people that are close to them. And this is just, this is just new research Mm -hmm. that we just, got. So imagine um, we've all been taking care of asymptomatic um, pregnant women without really knowing um, mm-hmm. if they were uh, COVID positive or not and, and sending them home with their babies. This is brand new information that we just got out, um, the research that they have done in China with, uh, in Italy with pregnant moms. And have... so. Uh-huh. I'm
0: sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: So with that new research now comes new protocols that we just implemented just like this <laughs> was <laughs> a couple of days ago um, mm-hmm. on our unit because <laughs> now that we have this information, like I said, information just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. And and as information comes, policies, procedures, and protocols change. So things change on a daily basis with as uh, the new information comes along.
0: Because I haven't heard of any at this point, I I've been, I'm pretty – Much up on watching the media and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: all these stuff, news channels, what's going on. I hadn't seen anything where a situation where a uh, mother and infant was infected, or I I don't Mm -hmm. know, is that out there? Have you guys had any, just across the world, period? Have you seen any reports on that?
1: I haven't seen any reports. However, I did just come across a report just the other day of nine labor and delivery nurses. Um, having been tested positive for COVID. I'm not sure. It only takes one person to, you know, spread the virus, of course. I'm not sure of where or how were the virus was um, contracted.
0: Um,
1: but there were nine labor and delivery nurses. This was in a hospital at uh, St. Elizabeth mm-hmm. that had um, contracted the virus. And like I said, they couldn't figure out who if it was from a nurse that brought it in or if it was from a patient that brought it in. Um, So those are the only studies, that's the only study that I've seen as far as labor and delivery in nurses um, having COVID or their patients. Um, Like I said, we've had plenty of PYs that have came back negative, but uh, most pregnant moms will be asymptomatic if they are COVID positive.
0: Yeah, we've already kind of touched a little bit A bit on the next question I have for you about real time Mm -hmm. changes and, but uh, the methods mm. and testing. Are you informed about real time changes of the methods in regards to the methods of testing and treatment? And you kind of touched on that already a little bit on that. Can you um, elaborate a little bit more on that, or do you?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, like I said, with um, the new information that is just constantly coming. Um, our protocols and how we do things definitely change. It can change one minute we can be doing something on night shift and by day shift that whole what we were doing will completely change over. That's how fast things will change. Things will change within mid-shift too just depending on, you know, the information that comes along. Our um, chief OB doctors are working tirelessly trying to, get all the information that they can um, to help with it. So now this is just new implementation that we're doing um, with uh, our pregnant population is anytime that we have a scheduled induction or a scheduled C-section, we are swabbing um, them um, the day before they come in for their um, scheduled um, C-section or or, um, induction just to make sure that, they are um, COVID negative. Um, also, the ones that are coming in with you know spontaneous labor, we are checking their liver enzymes and a chem seven, and their CBC. We always automatically do a CBC, but we found that um, asymptomatic women will have an elevate a mild elevation in their liver enzymes and their renal functions, and have a very significant low WBC, which is um, very unusual for a pregnant woman to have low uh, white blood count, which is WBC. <laughs> so mm-hmm. those are some of the screenings that we are just now implementing um, to kind of screen for COVID um, patients be, uh, in our, pro- our pregnancy population because they are asymptomatic.
0: Mm. I can imagine the the head head doctors and the head CEOs above. They are basic they are really tied in with the CDC. Uh, in regards to your changes? Is that, is, is that who's implementing the changes down to you all? The um,
1: it's the, Well, they're doing the research or the information from the CDC and other, you know, um, uh, I forgot what's called ACOG. I can't remember the um, acronym for what it stands for, but it's uh, OBG. It's how we get our standards um, from the OBGYNs mm-hmm. um, from obstetric care. So, you know, collaborating with ACOG collaborating with the CDC collaborating with WHO, um, we how we're getting our information and that's how we are are um, implementing our protocols and just our um, evidence based practice as well.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah. I I was I just kind of before I really uh, start writing up your questions that I have for your interview, I was going across your social media page and you mm-hmm. get posted a picture. About patients in fear, and it related to how. My question is, how does patients respond to the protective gear worn by healthcare workers when they treat them? You were saying that they, it is kind of fearful for the patients when they, you know, see them coming in there with that heavily protected gear.
1: Oh yeah, it's very scary. I mean, you know, nurses were used to. um, Well, anytime that you're in the hospital, start from there. Anytime you're in the hospital, you're in a very vulnerable situation, you're probably either having the worst day of your life imaginable if you're in the hospital or in my department, you know, you're having the best day of your life getting ready to have a baby but still a little fearful of the unknown or the what could happen but still overjoyed that I'm getting ready to have a baby. So you're already feeling those already in itself. And then to be told, hey, you know, we're screening you for COVID, now, that creates a whole different fear considering that what we've seen, um, this pan- seen with this whole pandemic. So now you have this fear of I could have this virus. Um, I could possibly die from this virus. I could possibly give this virus to my child, my unborn child. Um, so you already have those fears. And then you have your healthcare care providers um, who come in with this literally space suit. Um, you can't really um, see them. You can only thing that you can possibly see is their eyes. So now you don't have a familiar face. Um, you don't have. We don't. We have to stand six feet apart. Anybody who has had a nurse knows that nurses are very comforting. We have the mm-hmm. comfort of our voice. We have the comfort of touch. Um, we provide, you know, that trust between that patient and that nurse. So that there's a barrier now. Um, between those two things so you know with all the fears as I mentioned and then to have your healthcare providers come in and in suits, it just increases the fear like 10 50 100 times more for these patients and you know we're also even though we don't show it that much we have our own fears too as a nurse you know like making sure that We are putting on this gear properly and making sure that we are taking it off properly because we don't want to, you know, contaminate ourselves. So the fear between the patient and the fear with us—it just is really hard to uh, still um, and still want to give that that you know that good standard care to that patient. There's just so many barriers involved with that. So um, the patients are definitely afraid when we come in there and have all this gear on and we're afraid putting this stuff on and taking it off. So you can definitely sense the fear.
0: So, you know what i I thought, thought about, this. I always think often think about when you have to remove your gear, do you have a special spot in the hospital where you guys go remove everything and kind of sanitize yourself?
1: So um, if we do have, we do have um, uh, a negative pressure um, isolation room, Um, for a patient who is COVID positive or someone that we suspect is COVID positive. So um, in that room, there's a separate room um, before you walk outside of it completely that has a kind of like a decontamination area um, where you would take off all your gear and dispose of it in its proper places. However, um, if that room is unavailable, and you have to put another, because we've had, on the floor, we've had more than one PY patient. Um, mm-hmm. They would go into a regular labor and delivery room, and we would have to stand outside the door, outside of the room, and um, take off all that stuff. And we do have what's called a door monitor. It's someone who will stand um, outside the door, and make sure that you are properly taking off everything. She has a list of, you know, step one, step two, step three, so that we do not contaminate ourselves. Wow, wow. So Absolutely. yeah, it's it's very deep. and very serious.
0: Yes, and I've been watching on news and really following this state that's really hit it hard. Hit hard, and California is one. But New York, my goodness, that it's, it's troubling when you when you see that. It's just. Um, yeah and and to know that this is your, your your this is your daily thing your your daily thing that you do as your as a as a, as a healthcare provider uh i'm going mm-hmm. to switch up a little bit here but your um how is your daily routine between now you have three children and mm-hmm. uh, how's your daily routine between work and how be work at home uh has it, how has it changed since this, this pandemic has has been
1: on Oh my goodness, it has changed quite a bit. Um I really don't go near my children that much. Um I have my youngest son, he's fourteen. Um he is as he is asthmatic. It's especially around this time of year, especially around the springtime. Very, very asthmatic. Um, so with this whole pandemic situation um, when I come home, I don't come home with my scrubs on. We leave our scrubs um, at work, and our hospital prescribes, uh, provides our scrubs and, and launders them, so we mm-hmm. don't bring those home, um, and I don't bring home my work, sheet. I don't really bring home anything from work into my house. Mm-hmm. Um, being that my son, my youngest, is asthmatic, I pretty much stay in my room. I don't really go out of, of my room. Uh, when my kids are awake, um, if they want to talk to me, they can text me or they can stand at the door and ask me a question. But um, I do, I'm very, very distant around my children because that was that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is not contracting it for myself. My biggest fear is giving it to my children from being at the hospital, especially my youngest one who is. Um, more compromised than my older two.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And being
1: that he is now at home and not able to go to school, um, you know, I kind of, he stays in a living room where he comes out and watches TV. And if he's out in the living room, I will stay in my room. I do not come outside of my room until he's off to bed in his own room.
0: So a lot of the kids, are using that program Zoom to to do their schoolwork. Has he How's he doing with the schoolwork? You know, having to be separated from you and then having schoolwork? Or does he have any schoolwork at this point?
1: Oh, so that's like a whole <laughs> nightmare in I itself don't... right there. They really have not started. He's been in ninth grade. And so they actually will start back doing a Zoom um, program actually this Monday. Mm. So he has not been in school or has not had any schooling since the second week of March, first week of March, when they all kind of closed the school for a while, and then it became like a a more permanent thing for the rest of the school year. So tomorrow will be his first time, uh, or sorry, Monday will be the first time that he will log in and do this, go back to school um, on the computer. So um, I did have to order some things from Amazon to give him some workbooks, some things to do, and then... He'll leave it out for me to check it when he's um, in bed asleep, and then I'll kind of tell him what needs to be done, what needs to be fixed, and then he'll get up in the morning and redo those things. And that's kind of how I've been kind of homeschooling him from a distance until school starts back up on Monday through the Zoom program.
0: Wow, this is it's, it's a major change, and I think that it we, is very, very major. I, I, I don't think we'll, we're not going to go back to a norm. We, we might as well expect uh, major changes ahead of us, uh, from our jobs to school, you know, to oh. children, everything, everything. Um, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit, but how are your children handle this this pandemic, knowing about your profession, you know, I know, you, I think you have the fortune but you have two older children. I uh, do. They know that you're in this profession, so how do they you know, the young people are a little bit different how they
1: think, you know. Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> strangle. I my two older ones, they're twenty and nineteen and my older son, my twenty year old, you know, they think that they're invincible. They think that this is doesn't this is not gonna affect them or it's not gonna happen to them because when we first saw this disease it was attacking elderly people, I and mean, it was attacking right. people who um, had um, comorbidities, had health issues. Mm-hmm. So that was the mis- um, inter- uh, information that we had first got, you know, with the, fir- the misinterpretation of this is that it's just another flu virus. And, you know, the people who, you know, don't recover from the flu are elderly people or people who have a lot of underlying um medical problems. So the youth were kind of given that and thought that this does not affect me, and they're still thinking that it doesn't affect me because you still see more people who are more older who are more compromised with this flu or this virus, and people in their 30s um, are becoming um, are coming down with this virus. But you don't see too many, you know, teenagers. You don't see too many 20-year-olds. Um, coming down with this virus as you do with the older um, older age um, people so they kind of think that this does not affect them so my son you know he's, he's doing what he can as far as like taking vitamins he does take his vitamins he does exercise he does do things that he feels is going to help keep his immune system up from you know getting this virus but you know they think that they're young they're resilient and they're going to bounce back from this, and they're not going to get it. So, you know, they have that invincibility kind of mindset. So my children, they go out. Um, my son, he works. He still works. He works at Pizza Hut, so, you know, people still need their pizzas delivered. Mm-hmm. So um, he does that. Um, my daughter, sometimes she goes out and hangs out with certain friends or goes to certain people's houses and hangs out over there. And so they just, you know, that Generation Z, they just think that they're invincible and, and that it's not going to affect them.
0: Yeah, I, you know, sometimes you put yourself in that, you know, that age bracket when we were young and things would happen. How mm-hmm. uh, we mm-hmm. would feel. You, know, you kind of understand why the young people feel the way they do, and uh, mm-hmm. and then plus, you know, a lot of them, their immune system is probably a little bit stronger than yeah, old, well, a lot stronger, you know, than older people. Which myself, I have been really focusing on my immune system and how I eat. I've been doing that for a while to try to keep mm-hmm. it, you know, and stuff. So, but, yeah, so exactly. my my next question is that um, thinking about the future, we know life will not be back to the norm. We already know that, which we are, which we're used to living, there's, there's, you know, the the ways of life that we're used to living. As a healthcare care provider, um, are you somewhat prepared for the change or the changes that's ahead of us? <sighs>
1: You know, in being in healthcare, that's one thing that we truly despise is change. You know, nurses, we are um, creatures of habit. Uh, we kind of grumble when we have to change things, even if it's for the better. You know, we're used to things being a certain way and then, you know, having to change to something Different, creates a lot of frustration. We kind of give a little pushback. So um, the change going, where do we go from here after this pandemic is over? You know, it's hard to determine what changes are we going to make. Um, I hope that we are better prepared for a pandemic if one ever were to occur again. I hope that we have um, a system and plan for that, I think that's one of the changes that need to take place. Is that you know, pandemics can occur at any time, and I think that we kind of gotten lackadaisical with that and thinking that it will never happen. And that you know, in the 20, 21st century, we do have a pandemic that we were not prepared for. Even with all the technology that we have, we were not prepared for it. So I hope with those changes that we do implement. Um, more preparation for this, that we can get more information at a more quicker speed or a more quicker rate so that we can um, be prepared to and know how to take care of patients who have um, certain illnesses and diseases and um, yeah, have think, better technology.
0: I think... The the magnitude of this one, uh, it probably will put scientists and healthcare providers and those that work in that field uh, at a better approach. Or not, I don't want to use the word approach, but uh, kind of look at the overall perspective of it and um, the, uh, the origin and from the origin up, you know, and then try to figure out, because it's like really just, Everybody it, to me, it's just like everybody's just all over the place. I've never yes. ever in my lifetime seen so much confusion.
1: Oh, and it, I know it. It yes. is
0: it's just an uncomfortable uh, daily. It's an uncomfortable situation to be in, you know, for for everyone. You know, even going to the grocery store and going out, and, and people are honoring at least the stores I go to are honoring the fact of being six feet away. Where I see people are conscious of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on your professional experience, what advice can you give those who are affected by the disease and those who are not?
1: For those who like, I mean, you say affected, I mean, like actually have the virus or just, you yes. know, affected right. with. So those that are affected with the virus know that it's not a death sentence. I know that we see.
0: I'm glad um, you we death
1: do death. see that, you know, a lot of people are passing away from this. But we don't get a chance to see that there is a success rate, that there are people that are recovering. There are more people recovering from this virus than there are people that are dying from it. I know the media um, likes to um, promote fear. I see that quite a bit. They like to shine the light on you know, the ones that are dying, the numbers that are dying, what's going on in New York, but there are people, there are more people that have recovered, that are recovering from this virus. I personally know some nurses, know some friends who were and are COVID positive and they are, and they have and are recovering from the, and they are doing well. Um, so, was, um, it just
0: a, no con- was, it, was it a situation that they caught the virus early or they just um, knew what to do, you know, as far as um, them re- being in uh, uh, recovery? And I have been watching it and the numbers that are put out versus the numbers of people that are actually surviving it, uh, that number is kind of like not really put in the mainstream, just everybody that's dying of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it. I'm just wondering, in as far as your contact with people with that, did they initially know what it is or, or just automatically just uh, and they were able to tackle it before it got more serious?
1: No, they didn't know what exactly it was. One of my friends, um, she originally had strep throat and her strep throat test did come back positive. So they were thinking that some of the um, symptoms that she were ha- that she was having was contributed to the strep throat that she had. But then when she the the symptoms became more and more, and she was not recovering from the strep throat as quickly as you know as a normal person was. Then they checked her for the COVID um, uh, virus, and she did come back positive for that. So, um, and this was kind of in the earlier stages when, you know, we didn't know too much about COVID uh, COVID and the testing. And so we were kind of thinking, you know, it's probably flu or probably um, just the strep and her having to be kind of persistent and saying, hey, you know, I'm still having these fevers. I'm still not feeling well. I'm having this cough now, you know, and now it's like, okay, these are kind of matching the symptoms that were just, that are for COVID. So let's check for that. And that was... Um, positive um, and she's someone who does not work in healthcare so and, and now she's um, just finished her 14 day quarantine and she's doing well and she's COVID negative now and she's doing really good um, one of my other friends who is a nurse who did contract it from being on a COVID floor um, because she was on a COVID floor because she is a nurse and was there having those early symptoms you know, they're automatically gonna check because you do have the exposure. Um, you are taking care of patients who are COVID positive. So um now with healthcare they are, you know, if you meet these criteria of taking care of COVID patients or um around someone who is COVID positive, they will screen you for it a lot earlier than waiting for you to, you know, have all these other things. Um so she did come back positive, but she was able to recover at home. Um so those are the good things of not being in a hospital and, and not being ex- more um, exposed to it and being able to recover at home. So um, you can recover from it. It is not a death sentence at all.
0: So the people that don't have it, and we have people that are really in fear and they don't have it, you know, you have a, especially now it's allergy season, like you are saying, but.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so people are running around in fear. What is your, what would you say to people that are, are doing that about how they would you know deal with it?
1: You know, just stay um, vigilant of washing your hands. I can't I can't stress that anymore. Um, washing your hands, monitoring your symptoms. You know, um, monitoring um, fever, cough, um, any of symptoms that you know are COVID symptoms versus just having allergies, being able to know the difference between those. Um, we do have advice nurses, a lot of advice lines that um, people can call just to um, make sure that, you know, they're not having those COVID symptoms. You know, even, like as you stated, allergy season. I don't have very many allergies, but, you know, wearing a mask all day at work and then coming home is like. You know, you get congested because you're wearing a mask. Mm. Um, sometimes our throats are a little irritated. So we're kind of like, okay, you know, have to re- kind of sit back and reevaluate. You know, I don't have this. I don't have a fever. I don't have a cough. You know, um, I'm not around anybody at this time that is COVID positive, you know, and so kind of having to redirect because fear can really, you know, take over, you know, and we as nurses we do talk about that because, you know, our fear is bringing – you know, something home to our families, but you know, we cannot live in fear. If we live in fear, it it creates you know, living in being in fear and lack of education or lack of knowledge causes xenophobia and, you know, we become afraid of each other and and it's just not the type of environment that, you know, is conducive at all for living is being in fear of one another.
0: And that kind of leads me up to my my last question with you. Uh, as a Christian and believer of Christ, and I know that you are, I am. Um, how has this pandemic affected your faith?
1: Uh, if this doesn't draw you closer to God, I don't know what will. You know, <laughs> I agree. I totally
0: agree, yes.
1: If this doesn't draw you closer to God, if this does not increase your faith in God, I don't know what will because as nurses, We are on the battlefield. No matter what department you work in, um, we are definitely on the battlefield and and, and fighting against this virus. And we have to take God along with us. We have to take the word with us. Um, That's what's going to keep us. That is going to keep us sane. That's going to keep us focused because if fear creeps in, you know, being in a nurse, being in in that role, if fear creeps in, I can make a mistake just because of my fear. You know, I can harm someone if I'm afraid to do what I know is what I'm supposed to do um, to care for them. So I can't allow fear to obscure my judgment. Um, So I definitely have to take God along and know that, you know, he is the author and the finisher of my faith and that um, he has Equip me uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually for this battle to care for these patients, and at the same time, ha- at the same time, has covered me with His blood that you know I will not bring this um, virus home to myself and my children. And if so, that He is a God of healing, and that um, through His stripes we are healed.
0: Wow! Wow! That is that is powerful. That is powerful, and we know that very well to be true as Christians. And stuff. Well, Naisha, I really thank you for coming on my podcast, sharing with us about being a nurse and dealing with this pandemic that's going on um, in our world today. Man, I'm so excited. I just really appreciate the fact that um, i gained some more knowledge just talking to you. It's just good to talk one-on-one to, or to people mm-hmm. that are out there and that are in the middle of it that are experiencing it, you know, you really get, yeah. uh, your feedback is really, you know, you really get good feedback on it, you know, and like you were saying, a lot of people's fears are the unknown, uh, mm-hmm. not sure or don't know about something, and then if you drown yourself in that, the unknown, then that fear becomes greater and greater, but when yeah. you step out there and you connect, and that's what I love to do is connect with people that are mm-hmm. out there, that are especially that's that's dealing with it, that's in the midst of it on a daily basis, um you get the facts from what's really going on there. So I wanna thank you for joining me on my podcast today.
1: Do you have any yes, closing words you'd say to us before? I am sorry it? I didn't hear your last part.
0: Yep. Do you have any closing words you'd like to say before um uh, we end this podcast?
1: Um yes. I can't stress it enough. Wash your hands, everybody like, keep your hands clean. Keep your hands out of your face. You know, I, I see a lot of people in public with these gloves on, and as a nurse, it it drives us insane because gloves are one-time use. They are one-time use. We put them on. We do a task. We take them off. We don't walk around the hospital with gloves on. We don't walk around the patient's room with the same gloves on. They're for one, one task, one purpose, and then they are discarded, and if I have to do another task, or another purpose, I put a fresh set of gloves on. So in a public, I see people with the same pair of gloves on, and it defeats the purpose because I, it gives people a false sense of security um, that you have these gloves on, and yet you're still touching everything. Then you touch your phone, you touch your keys, you touch your face, and it's great that everybody is wearing a mask. I, I definitely appreciate that. But when you have those gloves on after you've touched everything in the store, and then you take, you move in your, your mask around, you're adjusting your mask, and you have those same gloves on, then you have contaminated yourself. So I see a lot of people who, um, I feel like people are, are sheep sometimes. They kind of see people doing certain things and they just kind of follow along without having the real um, knowledge or. Um, the logic of, of why we do what we do and why we wear gloves and how we discard them and use them I you see people doing and think it's a great idea. But if you just, just sanitize your hands, just keep your hands clean, wash your hands, that is the best way um, to combat this instead of wearing gloves because you do contaminate those gloves, touching everything and then touching yourself um, with it. And it does provide a false sense of security. So it kind of defeats the purpose. So... I really can just stress that enough to just kind of keep your hands clean. It's just better to just wash your hands and use hand sanitizer than wearing contaminated gloves because that's what they are after you touched what? everything. I'm I'm glad you said that.
0: I'm glad that you said that because, yeah, you see it all over the place. And um, so if you are going to wear any, say for people that paranoid that want to wear gloves, so it's best probably just to keep a, a box in your car so you can keep disposing them and throwing them out, right? Right.
1: Uh, but then, uh, you know, and that's the other thing with, you know, the PPE shortage is that, you know, um, at work, because we're not sure how long this pandemic is going to last, we are only allowed to have one mask, one um mask at work that we can wear per shift it's a regular surgical mask mm-hmm. um, our n95 we're only allowed to wear our n95 for certain purposes and we have to wear it a certain way um, to prevent it from getting contaminated because we have to reuse that mask because of the shortage um, we had to we usually have boxes of gloves just laying around the room um in the patient room to now we're just having one box because people will steal those. Um, We're only allowed to have one down unless that gets contaminated. Um, So the hospitals are trying to preserve um, these um, PPE because we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. Um, So um, I know that they do sell gloves in the store and that is totally fine. If people want to buy the gloves that are purchased in the store, please don't steal them from the hospital. But Mm -hmm. if they purchase them from the store, just keep in mind that, you know, they are one-time-use
0: gloves. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine
1: your nurse coming into your room. She (laughs) puts on a pair of gloves. Mm -hmm. She's touching things in the room. Then I'm I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I'm going to keep it raw and real. I do a vag exam on you. I touch Mm -hmm. your bottom area. And I use those same gloves, and we start touching things in the room. How disgusted would you feel?
0: Oh boy, I got it. I got the message.
1: <laughs> so that's exactly what everybody is doing. So when I am, I'm a nurse and I see people wearing gloves, I'm like, oh my god, because I know <laughs> that those gloves have been touching this, that, and whatever else somebody else behind them has touched, and so it gives that false sense of security and and yeah, wearing gloves throughout the whole. <laughs> just yeah. wash your hands. <laughs> just
0: what is that? Boy, you saving? Me. well, I, I don't have any gloves. I, so I've been just washing my hands, period. But
1: um, Yeah, because there's people know. that do have those gloves. They're touching everything that has been touched. And those gloves, they, they're they're a vehicle for germs. They carry germs on them. Um, they don't go away or you don't not get anything because you have these gloves on. And people have that false sense of wow. security that since I have these gloves on, it's going to protect my hands. It might protect your hands, but whatever you have touched on those gloves remains on those gloves.
0: That's right. They're
1: one-time use gloves. Same thing like condoms. They're one-time use. You, yeah. You know, you got to take them off and put a fresh pair on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. For people, we need to realize that um, when they're wearing those gloves. And, and if you do want to wear those gloves, please don't touch your face. Don't touch your mask don't touch your phone, don't touch your keys, don't touch your purse. You know, if you're going to wear that same glove throughout um the um while you're outside, don't touch certain things then.
0: That's good to know. I'm glad you said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said that cuz I was thinking about buying As those. I said people don't like they're doing things without the logic, without the knowledge. They're just doing it because everybody else is doing it, but you don't have you know the right terminology Yes. for what these gloves are really used for. And if you think about it, like, I wouldn't want my nurse with those gloves on touching everything in the room and then coming to touch me, you know, like you'll want a fresh pair of clean gloves on. Um,
0: it's always good to get it as the phrase they say from the horse's mouth. But those with the experience yeah. are around it because you really get more of the facts on the matter, you know.
1: Yeah. And- I- imagine, like, you're, you know, you're going to the fast food place now and, the person that's giving you your food has gloves on. Well, well what were you touching before you gave me my you food? Got me too. <laughs> so if I see someone with gloves on the top, so I just you know keep the food. I I don't even want it because what my knowledge of gloves <laughs> tells me that you probably uh-huh. handed somebody else their food ahead, took their money with those same gloves, and now you I've given you money. That you're afraid to touch, but you want to bring me my food back with those contaminated gloves. I can't do it. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's kind of where our what everybody is doing, without really knowing that this is not this is not the best practice at all.
0: It Comes from a nurse.
1: Yes. yes. So, yes.
0: you would know. You
1: <laughs> not a best practice at all. Yes. If you can imagine your nurse coming in wearing them same gloves. Or she just went to a patient's room with the gloves on and then went to your room with those same gloves on, how disgusted you would feel. That's how I feel about people giving me my food with their gloves on, um, who just, you know, um took care of the car ahead of me. Or when I'm at the grocery store, um mm-hmm. you have your 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 gloves on and you're touching everything and then I come right behind you or vice versa. Um it's not the way to go.
0: Wow. It's not the way to go. Oh, Thank you so much, uh, Naisha, for joining my podcast on today. Thank and you this, for
1: inviting me. This
0: this information was so informative, and I'm going to try to get it out there, get it flowing around so people can hear uh, yeah. from the mouth of a nurse. Again, thank you <laughs> for joining me today on my podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you.